Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out Winning at Work featuring Joey Price and Sarah Morgan. This is a conversation all about how to thrive at work. And I believe there are four C's winning at work. There is confidence, creativity, communication, and culture. And on this episode, we are joined by Sarah Morgan. Sarah is the, hold on, let me get the official title. Put some <laughs> founder and chief excellence officer for Buzz Aruni LLC. And I know Sarah is a great friend, a very sharp HR professional. Uh, she schools me quite a bit. I love reading her <laughs> blog and her insights. So Sarah, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Joey. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here as well. And uh, really quickly, you have a conference that you are uh, conducting, what is it, in October? Yes, yeah, so October 8th and October 9th, we will be at the 8th virtual for the HROI Summit. Um, HROI stands for Human Return on Investment. So it's a kind of play on words of, of that idea that our HR conferences are fluffy and don't always bring a good return on investment. Well, this is going to be super practical and super actionable. Day one will be a four-hour workshop all about pay equity. We're going to learn what it is, how you audit for equity, how you make sure that your pay programs at your organization are transparent. If you find pay equity issues, what do you do about it? And then day two is anti-racist HR, where we're going to start out talking about the key anti-racism concepts and the five areas within your organization that you need to be evaluating for anti-racism and infusing that into to your policies and your programming. And then participants have the option to buy up and join my coaching cohort, where you will spend two months with me and with my fantastic coaching team of HR and DEI and business leaders going deeper in, in all of these subjects and practicing how you're going to present and analyzing the information and pushing through all of the pushback, you know, that you get from decision makers. So that's really what HROI is all about. Um, we've got about a little less than 10 tickets left, so very close to sold out, but I'm super excited about it and definitely want anyone who has not registered to go online and register now. You can go to my website, Buzzaroonie LLC, and once you are there, click on HROI Summit and it'll take you right to the registration page. Excellent. So hopefully by the end of this conversation today, Let's we go. want to have all of the tickets sold out. We want to Let's knock that off Please. the to-do list. Let's knock this off the list. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're the perfect person. I think this is the first time that you're on my on any show that I've done. Yes, but this is for this years. Is and this is the first time we've done it. Yeah, we've talked about it. And just this first time we made it happen. Well, you're the perfect person to have a conversation about culture, um, specifically around pay and with everything you're covering in your, in your conference. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't realize that bad decisions about pay or bad decisions about inequality or bad decisions about the way we treat people at work, it's not an individual act. Sometimes 
it's a part of culture. It's a culture, yeah. So, yeah. so could, you, could you speak to that a little bit? So ultimately, organizations, what I find in the organizations that I work with through my business, because I work primarily with startups and small businesses, and many organizations are not intentional about deciding what kind of culture they actually want to have. We just kind of put people together. We get focused on doing the work and we don't do enough to craft the kinds of experiences that people want to have. And ultimately what I tell people that I work with is your culture is the feeling that is brought about in the people who work for your organization based on your policies, procedures, practices, so on and so forth. So if you don't put intentional work into putting together your policies, your procedures, the how of what you're going to do, and you don't, aren't mindful when you're constructing that on what do, I, what do I want the experience of the person on the other end to be? And what do I want the experience of the person doing the work to be? If you're not thinking about that intentionally as you are crafting that stuff, you are going to have culture problems. And it takes so much effort once it goes bad for you to get it back on the right track. Because at that point, the bad things that happen, that the lack of a better word, the trauma that happens to people as a result of negative experiences in the workplace, they internalize that. And it's very hard to shut that off and to go back to trusting this environment and feeling like I can be safe here. I can give my best here. I can express myself here. Is once you've broken that an individual, it's very difficult to get that back. If you're lucky, the person will just say, I can't thrive here, so I'm going to go find another job. If you are unlucky, the person will say, I can't thrive here, so I give up. And they stay. And then they, they pull your organization down into mediocrity because they're not giving their effort towards you because they don't feel like they can trust you. They don't feel like you deserve their best anymore, but they're not going to leave. They're just going to stay and make it bad. And that's the thing that you really, really don't want because that's how cultures go from being just bad to being toxic. Yeah. And and I'm so glad you said that because people think that Sometimes managers or leaders will think that, oh, because someone is loyal, they are a positive influence culture. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that sometimes they're loyal because they've sputtered out, they've lost motivation, they're just there to clock in and clock out. And you really don't want that kind of spirit uh, Mm -hmm. on your team. You want to make sure that people are, are energized. And, and so the thing is, with culture being such a um, intentional act, I feel like if you're not working on your culture, something is working on your culture. Right, right. right. And, and, and if you're not controlling that, then who knows what kind of organization you'll... Yeah, I mean, if in. you're not controlling that, then then the people are making it up as they go along. And then the culture is this kind of hodgepodge of those individuals and whatever experiences they cause to happen to the people who work alongside them. And it's very difficult when, again, when you get that far out of control to be able to say, we don't do that here. 
this is the way that we treat people. We don't do that here. This is the way that we want people to feel. When you don't already have that in mind to be able to to speak to that and to hold people accountable to this is the culture, then it's very difficult to pinpoint those negative forces and do something about it because you don't really have a standard in mind that they're supposed to meet to say that they're not, you know, right for the culture. They're not bringing forward, you know, they're not living up to your culture and to your values and those sorts of things if you haven't articulated what all of that looks like in action. And to your point, you can have people who have been with your organization for years and decades and they're completely toxic, completely toxic. And the only thing that they have to show for them being there is is years under their belt. You can come to work and have the same you know, you can either get 20 years of experience or you can have the same experience for 20 years. There's a difference between <laughs> those two things. And you want somebody who is going to come into your organization, bring their creativity, bring their innovation, bring their positive energy, bring their well intent and support for others and, and all of those. You don't want somebody in your organization bring other people down. The only thing they have to offer is complaints. They're constantly, you know, poking holes and, and trying to make other people look bad. What does that solve? Those are not, you know, to me, I don't think that that shows loyalty to anybody, you know, or, or and it's not the type of culture that you should be trying to build. And when you have individuals in your organization who are behaving like that and you don't address it, you're really going to you feed into it. What you tolerate, the base worst behavior that you tolerate is the base worst definition of your culture. It's because it's really about, culture is about experiences. And if you are tolerating people in your organization who create negative experiences for others on a consistent basis, like it or not, you have a negative culture. And the longer that you allow that, you empower it. And when you empower it, you approve it. And if you don't want that, then you have to address those things head on. And that's difficult. You know, I won't pretend that it's not, but it's necessary, you know, if we want to have healthy, positive workplaces where people come and people want to stay. Yeah, I think that managers who aren't proactive in having conversations about fixing bad behavior. So I also somebody said on LinkedIn, well, that's powerful. 20 years or 20 years of experience going back to mm -hmm. the about 20 years or 20 years of the same experience over same and over. Experience, right. Yeah. Um, people, you have to realize that you empower bad culture by not addressing it. Yes. it. It's not that you've given someone the right to do it or you've given them a title or you've given them influence. The fact that you've allowed it to happen and happen over and over again, mm -hmm. that is empowering bad, bad culture. Mm -hmm. And I, I, want, I want to put you on the spot real quick, but do you have a bad culture story? Uh, it doesn't have to be your your organization, but um, uh, I mean, I've worked in, you know, I've worked in bad cultures before. I think the one that sticks out to me the most was a family owned business and they were very committed to hiring, you know, friends of their, their, their family and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I remember I had the audacity to take a vacation. And <laughs> when I came <laughs> back, they had hired someone and placed this individual on my team. And so wow. here is this person who never worked 
and human resources in their life, but took a couple of online classes. So it should all be fine. Nothing, nothing against online classes, um, you know, but was definitely not classically trained in HR. And here they are now as a full generalist. So just not qualified for this particular role. And we started having problems with our, our non-compliance. And when and it was very clear that the problems were coming from this individual just not knowing how to do what they were supposed to do. And when I went to my boss and explained this to her, this person had previously served as her, as the nanny to her children. And she looked at me and she says she didn't do it. She held my newborn and cared for them when I couldn't. And if she says that it's not her fault, it's not her fault. And I don't want to hear anything more about it. And I was like, oh, all right. This is how it's going to be. And not too long after that, I dusted off your resume and started looking for a job because you can't win in in those types of environments. You just can't. So most of the, the environments that I've worked in, when the culture has been negative or toxic, it really has been leadership just being unwilling to address performance-related issues, either because it's a long-standing individual and we don't want to rock the boat. You know, this is, I mean, I can remember we had a high-performing manager who was a serial sexual harasser. Mm. Like, by the time I left the organization, he was still there. And, I, and I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say he had probably 15 investigations of him for various complaints, but was running one of the top regions in the nation. And they were like, well, these aren't smoking guns. This is pre me too. So, okay. um, so it's like, Hey, you know, he's doing well. There's not really a smoking gun. These are all just kind of allegations and, you know, we're just going to continue to write him up. And to me, that was just completely unacceptable. And so once I had the opportunity to remove myself, I did and found out from friends of mine that still work there that ultimately several of those women came together and filed a class action lawsuit. And it was six figure settlements, you know, going around for that. So there's liability in allowing people behaving inappropriately and allowing people who behave in toxic ways to stay within your organization. But to me, you shouldn't even wait for that. You should do it because it is the right thing to do. Like I, I recently had a conversation with Steve Pemberton from Work Human, and I remember him telling a story about a gentleman on his team who he saw him just looking inappropriately at some of the women on the team. And I know culture isn't all about harassment, but there are easier examples than some of the other stuff. Yep. And he said, you know, he pulled that gentleman aside and said to him, you know, we don't do that here. Like I see, I see what it is that you're doing. That is not appropriate. And I expect you to stop. The woman never knew, didn't know, probably may not even to this day, may still not know. Mm -hmm. But he knew and he knew that that guy knew, like, I saw you seeing me see you, you know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> yeah. 
And because that happened, he said, I'm not giving permission. You know, I'm not even going to give that a foothold. I'm going to address that from the get go. And that's the kind of things that you when you are committed to protecting your culture, that's the kind of action, you know, that happens, whether you're a leader or whether you're just a person on the team as a bystander, that's the opportunity for you to that's not happen. You do it because it's it's the thing that you're supposed to do and not because you're expecting, you know, anything in return for it. And not because you're afraid of getting sued. Like I'm I'm so tired of HR having to play this like chicken little, the sky is falling, we gonna get sued, we gonna go viral. Like what it, those things may never happen, but it doesn't matter whether we ever get sued, whether we ever end up posted all over the internet for being a bad employer. If it never goes on Glassdoor or whatever, we know what happened and we shouldn't be okay with that. And at the end of the day, if you're really serious about protecting your culture and the integrity of, of that within your organization, you should be ready to address those issues head on, no matter what. I 100% agree with you. And it looks like Wendy Daly. Hey, Wendy, she agrees with you as well. She's tuning in on LinkedIn. She says, do it because it's the right thing to do. Yes, way too many times we just look at what is legal, not what is the right thing. Mm-hmm. I think as HR pros and even advice to employees that are watching this, because we want to kind of make this another behind the scenes coaching for employees, you've got to do it because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just does it go into that gray area or black area of legally this is wrong, but no, what's the right thing to do? And I know that we all have different moral compass. I know we all have different ethics and, and ethos. But if something is telling you that something isn't right, I believe you have a responsibility to speak up, not only to preserve yourself, but to preserve the organization. So what are some other practical tips you might have for people who find themselves in a bad culture? So when I found myself in negative cultures and I knew I always because I was in human resources, it was a lot easier for me to speak up about what I was observing and what I was experiencing and trying to make a difference, you know, in those places. And so I recommend doing that in appropriate ways, no matter what position it is that you're in, whether that is just between you and your supervisor, whether that is you sharing that information with your own human resources department, or whether that is just you talking with your particular work team about what the rules are going to be on. Like, we don't care if everybody else is tripping, we're going to get this right. And, you know, this is what we're going to do here. So try to, you know, make the best out of whatever circumstances that you can and raise those concerns somewhere else. But if you do all of those things and it falls on deaf ears, then absolutely make a plan for you to move on. And I know that's very hard for people to hear. Nobody wants to be out in the job search streets. You know, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely is tough. But yep. it is so being staying in a toxic workplace and healthy, the amount of stress that it puts on your mind and on your body to have to be in don't feel physically, you know, and emotionally for eight, 10 hours a day is just not worth it. And so, you know, you have to have a plan for what it is that that you're going to do, you know, to remove yourself from that environment. And that may look like you needing to take some classes 
to get yourself some additional skills so that you can move on to the next, you know, level in your career. That may look like you taking some, you know, classes to learn a new skill and pivot into a direction that you've been wanting to go in, or it may just look like you updating your resume and reaching out to your network and and starting to apply for jobs in, in a more traditional way. But whatever it is that that looks like for you, put all your positive, healthy energy into building that and don't worry about the foolishness. And then the last thing I would suggest that was very helpful for me is trying to find ways to give back. I can remember working in an environment and I was very unhappy with how we were handling background checks. I felt at the time we were being far too rigid without and not willing to give people with criminal history a chance at some of our entry level positions where their criminal history wouldn't have been a risk of liability to the company. It was really just a well, you know, don't do the crime if you can't do the time kind of attitude about it. And there's so much that goes into how someone ends up with a criminal conviction that you have to be a little bit more savvy, you know, to then just that. And but they weren't going to budge. And so for me, I said, well, I started volunteering at a reentry program. And I started working with people who were coming out of jail, helping them put their resumes together, helping them do mock interviews. I took that energy, like I can't help them over here, but I can help them over here. And I took that energy and used it for something good. You know, so that's the opportunity for you to give back in, in other ways and take all of that good, positive energy that you wish that you could give to your job and give it somewhere else. Don't keep that bottled up in you. Just find another more productive place to put it that's going to receive what it is that you have to give until you can find yourself a place that will let you give the way that you can. Yeah, don't let those positive vibes die. Don't let a bad, toxic culture burn your light out. We have James Kelly Fox Davis here. Hey, James, from Facebook, he says, I quit my good government job with 15 plus years of of service due to a toxic work environment. I don't yeah. recommend it for everyone, but I do it. And, I, and I think that's... Oh, yeah. Good good for you. Good on you. I hope you're, you know, living your best life now at this point mm-hmm. for making I think, that And jump. I think the thing about that too, Joey, is that we are so like hard on people for leaving jobs and getting fired as though that's like the, the death of you, yeah. you know, the fact that you worked somewhere and it didn't work out. And now suddenly yep. you're just like, it's, it's almost like you get criminalized for you going to a work environment. And I mean, you and I both know this, like this whole idea that moving from job to job is a bad thing. And so you get people who are staying, I just got to make it a year so that my yep. resume doesn't look crazy. Like we got to stop torturing ourselves for a dollar. And so I look at this young, you know, this younger generation, Gen Z and Alpha coming up not too far behind them. And they're like, Psh, I'll go 
I'll go work at Instacart, you know, and yep. that's right. Get an Instacart. I'm gonna go Instacart. I'm a babysit. I'm gonna walk <laughs> some dogs. I'm gonna drive for Uber. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do like they'll piece together a bunch of gigs before yep. they will sit in a toxic office all day long. And I think that's the type of energy that we, you know, we gotta be giving some attention to. Like we, you mad at it, but at the same time, like they happy. You know, their time is their own and they're going to wait until they find the right environment. So I don't think that I don't think we have to be hard on people for just saying my peace, my sanity is worth more than whatever they're offering me in this moment. And if if you have a family, if you talk to your family and y'all can work it out for you to be able to walk away, I'm all for it. So props to James for for doing that because that's big. Yeah, he says uh, there was a follow-up today. He says he was able to rejoin federal service after three years of HR contract work. So I'm guessing he landed in something that was a, that was less toxic. And now he has 27 years of federal service. So I think with James, the, the story is, you know, just you may need to sidestep a bit right. for your sanity, but that's not a total derailment. You know, like mm-hmm. you said, Eric, it's not a death sentence to say, I need to get about this place because it is bothering me so mm-hmm. much. So, mm-hmm. you know, take it from James, take it from Sarah, take it from me. Yeah, you know, sometimes sure. you have to, well, all times you have to preserve your mental health. That's another episode for another time. That's a whole, yeah, we could, <laughs> we could do a whole other 30, 40 minutes on just that for sure. Yes, for sure, for sure. Uh, also great to see Mary Williams, great to see John Balcino, uh, a lot of good uh-huh. friends. Gotta get you all on the show. Well, we're wrapping up. Well, I'll try to keep talking to see if there's a question that someone has for us. Uh, if there's a question for Sarah, a question for me about culture. While we're doing that, Sarah, how can people connect with you on the other side of this episode? Yeah. Um, well, my website is the best place to start. If Buzz Rooney, B-U-Z-Z-A-R-O-O-N-E-Y-L-L-C.com. Um, and from there, you can connect with me. LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. So all of that stuff is listed right at the top of the page. You don't even have to scroll past the fold. You just you get right there to, to all my social media and connect with me. Um, join my email list and, and all of that good stuff. Keep the conversation going. Oh, that's so good. And again, you've got this conference coming up soon, two-day conference. Please give some more information on that so people can yes, check it out. One more time. Yes, one more time for the HROI Summit. Um, it's going to be October 8th and 9th. It is virtual. Two half-day workshops. The first four-hour workshop is all about pay equity. Or better have my money. We're talking about pay equity all day long. So we'll be going through how to conduct a proper pay equity audit, what to do when you find pay disparities, how to correct that without breaking the organization's bank, and then how you move forward from there to create compensation strategies that are fair and transparent. And on day two, I'm calling that anti-racist HR, where we're going to be talking about the core concepts of anti-racism and the five ways within your organization that you, the policies and programs that you need to be looking at for supremacy, truly, and what you do when you find it, how you address it. And then you can buy up to join the coaching cohorts, work with me and my team of coaches who are all HR and DEI experts, 
on putting your plans together, how to present them to your decision makers, how to work through any problems that you're having with your decision makers and come out of this on the other side with a solid plan of what it is that you're going to do to make your workplace more inclusive and equitable because that's the mood from here on out. We got to get past this point. I'm tired of talking about Black women, equal payday, Latina women. We need to stop celebrating and commemorating these things and, and get everybody to full pay on the dollar and have everybody coming to work and feeling like they're going to they're in a healthy environment where they can show up as their full authentic self, be accepted, be productive, be promoted and be paid at fairly. That that's that's the energy that HR and business needs to be on. And so I'm I'm hoping more of you will will join me at the summit so we can keep making this happen. Yes, let's make it happen. Sarah, you are brilliant. You are Thank you, my great friend. Thank to you. Got to have you on another time, sometime. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Winning at thank Work. Thank you, everybody. Where HR experts help you win at work. So we'll see you again next week at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday here on LinkedIn, Periscope, YouTube, Facebook, all those social channels. Just, just meet us here at 4 and we'll have a really good conversation. All right. Take care.